Welcome to a new episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Thank you guys for waving. I appreciate it. That was a very big wave. It was Packers Week wave. That's how much passion was behind it. It is Packers Week. The Vikings are back. They're three and four. One game, one win at Lambeau away from 500. My wave is about the same as normal. That's we, true. We treat every one of these. <laughs> treat every one of these as its own entity. It was Mike with the Packers. I went every wave. I went it's, it's a big week. It's a, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say that the Vikings are are fighting for playoff relevancy. They're in the mix. They're in the hunt graphic. Once the graphic pops up, they're going to be in the hunt, at least currently after the remarkable upset win over the 49ers. So we'll get into previewing this game on Sunday. That suddenly has a lot more implications than we thought. It is the last game before the trade deadline. Um, how much will that matter anymore at three and four? Um, we'll talk about their path, um, potentially to the playoffs and where they're at right now heading into this game. So let's start, uh, I think with this game that suddenly has a little more meaning for these Vikings where we all assume they'd be two and five. We assume the Packers, they've been floundering on their own, but it seemed like another kind of soldier field matchup where it's just, ah, who really cares bottom of the NFC North, but Ben, they could go in there and kind of say, hey, we're, we are the team that we were on Monday night back at 500. It's funny because after week three, the Packers are 2-1. and one. They come back in their, I think, in their home opener to beat the Saints, and the Vikings are 0-3, and, and it's like, what is going to be happening here? And now you look at it, the Vikings are uh, two games away from having a winning record, potentially, when Justin Jefferson could come back. They beat the 5-1 and 49ers on Monday night. They looked, I thought, as complete in all three phases. Well, probably two. Uh, they had their special teams issues. But offensively, defensively, they looked as good as they have all season, I thought. And the Packers lose to a bad Denver team in a way that raised some major questions about the quarterback. So... This is one of the stranger moments we've been in in this rivalry in a long time. And not to say that because of the Vikings so much. I mean, they're 3-4. and four. They have a lot of issues. But the fact that the Packers are finding out how the other half lives is not something we've seen an awful lot. And I think even the year that that happened, the, the last time you could say that that happened for the Packers, 2008, the Vikings did not have the quarterback advantage. It was Tavares Jackson at that point. And probably a cast of thousands, Kelly Holcomb. They Kelly won the Holcomb, division yeah. with a, Gus Farratt. Yep, a rotating cast. But but Rodgers was still playing fairly well that year. You wouldn't have walked in and said, boy, uh, the Vikings have a distinct advantage in the quarterback department. And right now, you'd have to say that they do. So that has not happened very often in our lifetimes. So that, I think, makes this one somewhat unique from that perspective. Yeah, it's only happened probably when in the years Rodgers has been hurt, which wasn't all that often, but it had happened in a couple of those seasons. And <laughs> Fred Fred Favre was never hurt, of course. Um, but yeah, it's it is it's a weird one, and yeah, it seems like some alarm bells coming from Packers writers, Packers fans. I haven't followed it all that closely, surprisingly, because that seems really. To be, that's a, I this haven't. Is, I've, this I, is I, like that right is, your that is territory for me. Maybe it's. 
you, you take Aaron Rodgers out of the equation and it just feels different. But yeah, the, you waved like you'd read it. You'd waved like you had read. I went searching for something last week. I did. And I found this story in the athletic, but I was surprised at the tenor of it because I was like, really? Like, wasn't, aren't they supposed to kind of struggle this year as they figure out yeah. what they've yeah. got with Jordan Love? Like this isn't, this doesn't feel entirely unexpected or like what you wouldn't be going through with a guy who hasn't started before. Yeah, it is really his rookie season as far as starts go. I mean, he hasn't built up 16, 17 of them to, to be in a second year, but four years in, you would hope yeah. that he's kind of had a little more nuance built into his game or where the he'd be comfortable in the system with the same head coach. It's not like it's been turmoil behind him and all of a sudden you're in a first year of a system and there's a bunch of excuses to explain it away, but Green Bay has not been able to run the ball that with Joe Barry, the defense has been up and down again. And you see love have bad moments like he did against the Raiders and that loss. And then certainly against the Broncos for Green Bay and that loss. So it sounds like we're talking about the Vikings suddenly as huge favorites. Uh, what's the line? Did you look? Mm, I haven't looked at that yet. I'll, I'll look it up quick. You guys, but then you wait we'll, I'll I was going to see which one of us wants to, to vamp. I'm going to get one. Looks I'm gonna guess, I imagine got a laptop up. I'll vamp. I'm going to guess it's like Vikings <laughs> by a field goal. I imagine the, yeah, imagine the Vikings are favorites. I would, think i mean the fact that they beat the 49ers i i I mean the line would have initially come out before the game on monday night i'd be interested to see how much it has moved i want to say it was like a point and a half before that but it may have moved since then i i certainly think they're they're in a pretty good position here to go in there and and win the game i mean jordan love has I think I think the difference has been in the games that I've seen they just look almost afraid to turn him loose I mean it's been sort of this training wheels type offense where they're really really conservative a lot of short throws mixed in with the times where he's tried to play hero ball which we've seen at the end of a couple of those games where he's thrown interceptions but at least early on they are kind of keeping things pretty conservative with him and that plus the fact that Brian Flores has killed young quarterbacks, I think it's a tough matchup for the Packers. And now that maybe they'll find something this week. But yeah, the the way all of that sets up and the way that Love is played, I, I think it has been different from what I remember of Rodgers his first year too. And Rodgers put up some numbers that year. They lost a lot of games, I think, because of that defense. But they seemed like they had a better foundation with him. And that was also back in the day. I know he always used to talk about the quarterback school that Mike McCarthy had. And this was back when you could have quarterbacks and really anybody in for a larger portion of the offseason than you you can now. Offseason programs are a lot shorter. You hear coaches complain about this all the time. But I do think with quarterbacks, they had talked in the past about how helpful that was developmentally. So Jordan Love, of course, playing in a modern era does not have that. So you wonder how much the progression is maybe behind where Rodgers was at this point. Um, Juncture is the same in terms of the amount of time to sit, but does that time get used differently because of the CBA and the way that off-seasons are set up now? Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Are you surprised uh, uh, that we're at this point, what is it, week eight, 
going into Lambeau and you are speaking with as much confidence as you are about Brian Flores and that defense for the Vikings? I mean, yes, it, it's without I, Marcus Davenport. Just because yeah. of the personnel, yeah, yeah. Thing, not because you don't trust Flores. But it, it's interesting because I think we all saw enough flashes of it in training camp that that was the thing that I ended up picking them to go eleven and six at the beginning of the season, and a lot of that was like. I'm kind of buying this defense. Um, I'm I'm shipping this defense. Is that what the kids say? Something like that. I don't, I don't know. know. I have no I'm, idea. What somebody I mean. let us know. I think that's right. <laughs> we're hope we're hopelessly out of touch I, here I in this room. I think that's right, now. right. I hang out with high schoolers more than you guys do. I mean, yeah, so I've never. I think that's that, what it is. But um, yeah, I I was sort of feeling like the defense had a chance to be competitive. At that point, and but you're also kind of saying, okay, who do they have to do it? But, I mean, it's been this interesting thing because, you know, you sit there and say, well, they bring all this pressure. You're leaving guys on an island. The unintended benefit of it has been you're not leaving guys on an island downfield because quarterbacks are saying, I have to get rid of the ball so fast that it's difficult to push it downfield. Now, completion percentages against them are extremely high. And they're, I think, content to give up some of those underneath throws. You got to tackle better than they did on the one with Christian McCaffrey, but they have, I think, been able to pull it off. And yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. I thought the scheme would be good. The question was, can these corners hang? And to this point, they've been helped as well. But I, yeah, it hasn't come back to bite them at this point. What is our spread, Mike? Uh, opened at Green Bay, favored by a point and a half. It has moved to Minnesota, favored by a point and a half. So okay. it's moved three points. Probably because of what people saw Monday night. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of obviously influenced by betting as well. Uh, ben, I was just going to follow up on what you were saying about Flores. I thought a great example was the 49ers, uh, not their turnover drive, but their second drive of the game where it looks like they're going to go get go get points. Yeah. It looks like they're going to blitz like a whole bunch of guys, but they drop into rushing three and dropping eight. But Purdy doesn't pick up on that right away or still thinks he has a hot read quick. Throws it quick. It's incomplete. It's mistimed. They end up selling for a field goal try and missed the field goal. It's like the illusion of pressure sets you up for all sorts of things that they just didn't do last year. And that was the thing that I thought coming into the season was going to benefit them, that if Kevin O'Connell wanted to create all these kind of illusions of complexity, that's what Brian Flores does too. And that's just what they didn't do on defense last year. It is, and, and they found a way to – because I still have questions, and I'm sure they do as well, about how well Caleb Evans, Byron Murphy, these guys can cover yeah. man-to-man if left long, which is why they've been able to coach in a way that kind of means they don't have to answer that yeah, question. Yeah, they've kind of been able to just kick that question down the road. Yeah, and, and basically the question is just – and I think uh, the question is just can, they get, can the pressure get there in time and, and force kind of havoc, and, and can they tackle well enough? And I saw a lot of stuff on the broadcast watching it back on Monday night that they kept talking about how, well, the completion percentage was high and that, honestly, quarterbacks weren't feeling the heat as much, even though the Vikings kept bringing the pressure. But it's because teams are coming in with the game plan of it's going to be one, two, three-step out um, kind of stuff. I think if you look at um, pro football reference, they they chart, like a lot of people, the um, average depth of target against. Yep. And for They're the Vikings, one of the lowest in the league. Yeah, for the Vikings, it's top five lowest in the league. And, and so you're forcing the issue where you're saying, look, we're not going to get beat deep because you're just not going to have time. And because you're also probably going to have an open guy yep. <laughs> underneath yep. within that five yards. And against a lesser quarterback like Brock Purdy or Jordan Love, you feel pretty confident that Brian Flores is going to find a way to make him look like the lesser quarterback. It's funny because I looked at that stat actually this morning, and the Packers are really low in terms of average depth of target as well against – and 
they blitz more than the Vikings did with Ed Donatel last year, but that is, in theory, the Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley type system that the Packers are running. The The result, at least in that particular metric, in terms of getting teams to throw short, is kind of the same. It's just a completely opposite way to get there. You bring up the point of pressure. They have not been great at getting home with a lot of those blitzes. They have, I think, struggled to do that consistently, and that's probably where you say edge rushers that are a little more accomplished than some of the ones they have, other than Daniel Hunter, of course. You'd like to see them have better personnel in that regard, but they still have been able to, I think, force quicker throws, keep teams from throwing downfield, in part because they scheme in a way that that draws those types of throws out and says come take these that they'll be there for you more so than than the other ones will they're playing a lot of off coverage behind the blitzes as well but yeah it it so far has kept kept teams to short throws and the fact that they've handled the run as well as they have too I think has also been something you've seen improve over the course of the season I was surprised at how, how well they played the run yeah, against I McCaffrey and, and the Niners I know Trent Williams was out the Niners offensive line is not known as a bunch of individual um you know all pros without especially without Williams but um I thought Bullard um Lowry who ended up playing 70 percent they leaned on like a heavy defensive line front against the Niners as opposed to you know more of the lighter packages yeah. that they had done in Philly or or against Fields in Chicago and so you're seeing the versatility with Flores too where week to week it's not just the same front they're trotting out where they need to rely on the same guys uh, one week a guy like Bullard might play 40 percent and then last week it's 70 uh, plus percent and and those guys have at least shown up and played well uh, which is a surprise to me so I think that helps them uh, that they've had role players kind of step up uh, in those spots. And that's some of the Belichick influence too, right? Like he's the coach where he is going to take away what you do yeah. best. He's going to make basically what is play, make you play left handed. Left handed was the and, you know, phrase, kind of, yes. So if there's a different way to beat you, he's not married to one thing. He's married to we're going to stop you the best way we can, however we see fit. So I think that's just, and they probably do the same things against Jordan Love. But is there a certain point where teams will start to look at this and say, well, hey, we're kind of given up on some shot plays that are there that we should be able to take if we can understand that some of these looks that look like six or seven are coming are actually only three or four. I do wonder that, and I wonder if you will see teams play the quarterback position a little bit more like Kirk Cousins does, and, and here's what I mean by that. Kirk Cousins does not extend plays with his feet very much just because that's not his game he he did show I think Monday night some movement in the pocket on a couple of those he did yeah but the thing that Kirk Cousins does to extend plays Netflix highlighted it on the first sequence of that documentary he stands in and takes hits and continues to get up and certainly had some of those Monday night, they did a really nice job protecting him. He had a lot of clean pockets. But there were a number of times where he said, I'm going to hold the ball a click longer. And even when you look – I mean, you watch some of those plays, and it's like the pocket's clean, he lets the ball go, and he still takes a shot at the end of it because they're – you know, after three seconds, they're going to get home or they're at least going to get to the point where they can hit you kind of as a, a little bit of a shot after the ball is on its way out. But he does a good job of making peace with the fact that he's going to get hit. And I think that has helped them get some things going downfield, especially when they get all of the shell coverage when Justin Jefferson is there and you, you maybe need 
place to develop a little bit longer if you want to go downfield. So if you get teams that say we, we're going to have to hold the ball a little bit and protect and try to find a way to get something going downfield, maybe that's an option to beat them. That's That's got its own risks associated with it. You don't really want your quarterback getting hit more than necessary, but I do think that has been something the Vikings have used to their advantage, however dangerous it might be to do that. And I do think one of the best examples of Kirk doing that um, comes to mind for me. His first game at Lambeau was a 2018, was a tie game. Yeah, yeah. And Thielen down by the goal. Daniel Carlson yep. game. A remarkable catch by Adam, but also probably a better throw by Kirk getting crushed yeah. there. As I think Adam catches it between was it two defenders or was yeah, it? Yeah, it was like to the one yard line or yeah. I don't think it was a touchdown but it was close it was like one of the first times I think next gen stats had just become a thing and like completion probability on that was <laughs> extraordinarily low <laughs> because of the coverage because of the throw I yeah. think Cousins getting hit on it I yeah. if I recall he kind of had to just it was just all arm strength and really have much room to step into it yeah yeah, it, so. it just he's done that since he got here, and that's been one of probably his best traits for a guy who can't run around, you know, and buy a bunch of time. He will stand in there and deliver it in ways he just that doesn't. He's only scrambled like twice all season, yeah. I think. Yeah. And part of it is recognition too. One of the interesting things from setting myself to, up to watch the Manning cast, which actually was pretty entertaining. To, it was, it was, it was interesting. And what was you know, this is maybe not totally revelatory, but to understand that. When Bosa was out of the game, yeah. they have a specific package of plays where you think you're going to have a little extra time. Um, what did Peyton Manning call them? Ball holders. Basically, like yeah. plays where you think you might have a little extra time on the play and you're going to have a little extra time in the pocket. When you see Bosa go off the field, you have like a five to 10 play package. You're like, we're going to pick from this. We think we might get a play downfield. And sure enough, Bosa goes off for two or three plays to catch a little breather and they hit Hawkinson for like 22 yards. Yeah, I think every time Bosa came off the rest of the game, they they kind of had their little thing going of I think Manning had Peyton Manning had talked to Cousins and Cousins yes. was like yeah I'll give you some time yeah because I remember when Cousins was on that thing last year all he wanted to do was yeah. pick Peyton and yep. Eli's brains well, and on he, how you handle cover zero and they just wanted to ask him about Kirko chains he's like no I want to talk ball so I think that's how Manning ended up getting time with him and said he said that yeah I will let you have access to my brain for. Yes, fifteen or twenty minutes. That, if you Kirk give me said, some scoops, because yeah, Kirk I, said you got to tell me how to do yes. this. I remember that awkward exchange. Yeah, where where Kirk was like, "Yeah, you know, Peyton, I'd like to know how you know you would play cover zero in this situation or something." Yeah, and they Peyton, had no interest in talking. Well, Peyton about was it. like, he laughed it off and was like, kind of condescending, where he was like, "Oh yeah, if I should be on retainer for the Vikings, I'll tell you or something like that." And yeah. I was just like, "Man, Kirk actually thought he was probably like getting into an X's and O's kind of." They paid for your preschool, Peyton, and yes. it happened to be right after the Buffalo game or soon after the Buffalo right. game when the Kirko chains thing became huge so of course they just wanted to do the the laughing and the you know fireworks which, which was funny because they let rogers talk ball all night yeah yeah and it was great he was really good on that he I was thought. he was like more more himself yes like then was, wasn't the I've pat mcafee yeah. like often the often his wilderness yeah. retreats I actually was like I, I learned something i enjoyed that. yeah it was it was entertaining and he used to do I, and that's the thing when he's on with mcafee that's beneficial too is when they yeah. do get into talking right. football yeah he's good at it yes and yeah. he, when he kind of keeps to that <laughs> That's the key. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> and they kept him on track. They did. It it was uh, it was fun to watch. Yes, it was. Yeah, as agree. long as we're not talking about Mr. Pfizer or any other the other yeah, stuff. As long um, as he's not doing too much of his own research. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike. Let's get to the. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, let's do wins and losses. Okay. Yeah. So Ben, you wrote like about it's, this. Like it's um, April. 
I'm addicted to this. Um, New York Times, Upshot, Playoff Picture, Interactive Graphic. It's, I, I went to a whole new level on this today. So I tried this yesterday, but I forgot that 538 doesn't do that anymore. So Yeah, so basically, yeah, they basically outsourced it to Upshot now. So basically, right now, Upshot is saying Vikings 57% chance to make wow. the playoffs. 57, that's now, pretty good. I want you guys. We're going to be in Detroit two weeks. Can you guys come to a consensus on each? You can plug in each of the 10 games that's left, and you tell me wins or losses, and I will tell you at the end of the season what their playoff odds are based on those 10. Well, we got three of us, so if we agree on one or disagree, I'll I'll be a tiebreaker. I can be a tiebreaker. I've already done this. I did this like really quickly on daily delivery today, but I want you guys to go. We never made a taco bet for this year. Where are we at right now? We should have. But Gophers have four. Vikings have three. Yeah, we should have. Should, well, should we do like a late with taco a late bet? taco bet? I mean, it's fine. I'll take your I'll buy tacos. I mean, I don't care. Like, both teams are probably going to wind up with like eight wins. Yeah, so. probably. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Okay. Vikings at Packers. Win or lose? Win. Yeah, win. Okay, we'll put that in a win. Look at Vikings this. at Falcons. <laughs> we're, we're sitting here having this game more that, than the, yeah, that's the a Lambo. Tough, that's a tough How one. How times have changed. That's a tough one. I think that's a tough one. I'm going to say loss. Just because I feel like I'm going to say win a lot coming yeah. up here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, just kind of a heat check yeah. thing. I'll say loss. Road game, yeah. you know, it's that fair. ground, the Arthur Smith run game. All okay. that. Yeah, yeah. Bijan John Robinson. Okay. Vikings home against the Saints. I think they win. Win. Game. Yeah, I think, they, I think Derek Carr looks cooked. Back. I think, yeah, I think they win that Vikings game. at Broncos. Should win. I think they win that game as so well. The because the will say win. Because, yeah, although, yeah, yeah. I think Home against the Bears. Win. Win. Yeah, got to win that game. Vikings yeah. at Raiders. Oh, my gosh. A win, yeah. <laughs> you don't realize how bad this See, I, I guess win. I, yeah. I gave him a loss in that one. Horrific. Okay. At Raiders, though. Yeah, it's, at Raiders, but okay. Yeah. Vikings at Bengals. I think they lose that loss. game. Yeah. Vikings home against the Lions. Mm. Tough one. That's yeah, a tough that one. A tough That's one. probably the toughest one. I mean, there's a lot of well, there's a lot of top, there's season. a lot of like 60-40 games in here, I think. My logic would be I think they will split the series with Detroit, so I would give them the home win. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah, I would say the same. I guess that's what they did last year. They won in Minneapolis and lost in Detroit. Yeah. Okay. We'll give them a win there. Vikings home against the Packers. A win? You just have win. Them, having them winning at Lambo, so you better having them have them win here. What are they? Twelve and five. Vikings at Lions <laughs> to end the season. I think they lose that game. If we give them the win on. Well, the question I guess in that one would be, what do the Lions have to play for? Assuming it's something on the line, which I would think it would be, I would say if the loss. Vikings beat them in Week 16, theoretically Week 18, they might have something to play for. They might have something to play you know? for. Um, yeah. So we've got them at ten and seven now. 99% oh chance to make the playoffs. We are going now, to cover so many now, Lions let me, games. Let's just take let's hey, just, they're gonna, let me just for the thought exercise. They're 10 and 7 through this. Let's take away one win. Let's take away at Raiders. Okay. Just, you know, there's kind of a lot of toss-up games. If you really want to flip this, I would say take away an NFC win. Take away an NFC win? Take just away see, I'd be curious to see the I'll difference. take away the Saints win. Okay. 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 So they lose to Falcons and Saints. That's two NFC losses, yeah. Sixty-six percent chance that they make the playoffs, even if, with that. How much does it change if you drop them? If they drop in one of the AFC games, as opposed quite to quite a the bit. I'll, I'll have them drop the Raiders game instead of the. This is a great, great podcast. This is a great podcast. <laughs> it uh, does some like wiggling over one number. It's like you know what it is. You don't need to make it all. Eighty-six percent. 
Wow, so twenty percent swing. Tie, yeah, it's a big tiebreaker for, swing, I think, for beating these NFC teams. Yeah, if your losses, your NFC games. If your yeah. losses are AFC, it, it benefits you a lot. But even if they go nine and eight and lose, you know, a couple of NFC games along the way, like two or three NFC games along the way, they're like a sixty-six percent chance. Yeah. And if they win all those games, you say they're going to win. They're like almost a virtual lock, and I have a decent chance that making a decent chance of winning the division if they do all and, that and they could drop a game at denver a game against the raiders Bengals, what, and it, it won't affect that that well much. and what yeah. and what the san francisco game did although that's definitely that's an nfc win so that's big but it, it bought them some margin it got they, you the tampa bay game back and basically. you don't have to now win kind of every single game the rest of the way you yep. can drop a mm. winnable game or two and still feel like you're maybe going to make the playoffs the funny thing is we were sitting there saying after they lost that bucks game we were like okay they're gonna have to steal some one right. of these somewhere and we all said it that the chiefs game looked easier to take it than was. the 49ers game it was and they, they just didn't play that well yeah they played better against the 49ers but yeah it, it's you know it's the nfl these things happen it's, but and it's when you play too i mean yeah San Francisco is missing Debo Samuel and, and Trent Williams it's still yes. a good win because McCaffrey yep. played I thought that was the biggest x factor but Vikings play probably their best game since week one last year yeah I think and San Francisco plays okay but they're banged up and they win uh I ask for who for what like is this team going anywhere if if, if Justin Jefferson comes back from IR Daniel Hunter stays healthy if they get those breaks and we're talking about catching other teams when they are beat up um is this team capable of more than the zero and three start that we saw? I don't know. I mean, in the playoffs, I maybe, mean, like maybe, if they, they could maybe win a playoff you know, game, but they still don't feel like one of the yeah four best teams in the NFC. I don't know. I mean, there's I, there's two that I trust in the NFC. I think, um, but they just beat one of them. They did, yeah, but right? Without yeah. Yeah. Trent Williams, without yes. Debo Samuel, yes, yeah. yes. It, and at home, that would not be yeah. a, that would not be no, a home game a next time around, presumably. <laughs> presumably, yeah. And I guess they haven't really won at home. This was the first time they won at home. Um, but the the two teams, if everybody's healthy, that I trust in the NFC are the Eagles and Forty Nine ers. Other than that, um, like who do you like that much? I love a lot of teams in the NFC. Detroit right now. just got smoked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Detroit was looking really good, but they lost thirty eight six. That could just been a matchup thing. And but I think Lamar Jackson is now sixteen and one at home all time against NFC teams. So he's that's kind of like something. If you don't see Lamar Jackson very often, he's tough to play against. But um i guess just in general i don't know but to your to that point you wrote about this like what where does it get you if you get to eight and nine or nine and eight and suddenly you're picking 18th and what do you do i mean it makes the the quarterback decision a whole lot more complicated it makes it more expensive i think because now (laughs) the funny thing with this is that record you could you could argue this either way. I I was going to say that record pushes it more in the corner of Cousins comes back because you can't go get the quarterback as easily. It's more expensive to go trade up and draft one, and you have to make the Cousins decision far enough in advance that they maybe say, well, okay, yeah, let's bring him back for a couple more years. You could also say that it makes the decision more the other way, where if they just say we've been on this hamster wheel enough and we don't want to keep going nine and eight ten and seven every year and go one and done we need to find some way to try to break through the the morass and make a run um it 
I guess it depends on how much they buy the Kirk Cousins can't win big games narrative, um, which has been built a lot on games like the one he just won on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, I that, a lot of that narrative, and that was one of the first things Buck and Aikman said, is he wasn't happy to see the MNF trucks rolling in uh, because he doesn't play well on Monday nights. He played about as good of a game as he's played in a Vikings uniform. Yeah, really it's on a very short list, I think, yeah, of, I of the best games he's played in a Vikings uniform, and that was on a Monday night. So this idea that he can't take them anywhere has been built a lot on that. It's all, In fairness, though, it has also been built on the fact that he has not won in the playoffs. So it's it's going to be there until it's not. But I would be curious to know if they think the reason it's happened has anything to do with him on a fundamental level or if it's just, well, hey, the playoff games haven't gone the way they've wanted him to go. He wasn't um, – bad in the Giants game you know people talk about the fourth and eight obviously but yeah I mean I, I just I wonder how much of that goes into the decision on him and you know like we talked about a lot he doesn't tend to be the most um, amenable to discounts on deals no and, and I think the rest of the season though is going to uh, weigh heavily on his future in Minnesota obviously because of just the resume that you're talking about and how kind of coin flip it feels for him when he can be the reason you win a game in, or one of the reasons you win a playoff game in new Orleans in overtime against a really good saints offense. Uh, but then be a reason that you lose um, the division the same year at home to green Bay, you know, where you get just annihilated because Dalvin cook's not there and, and your identity is gone. Um, and I think for him, you see those moments in San Francisco. Can he continue to build on that? Or will the team have to drag him out of the mud at times like they did in Carolina in the win this year where he, that was a bad Kirk game and they, and they won. Um, so we've seen the kind of Jekyll and Hyde with him already this year. And and I think if he can go in there and, and especially with this run where we're predicting the wins and losses and we're saying, win, 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 if that comes to fruition with him and they don't drop these NFC games, they're looking at what a forty-five million dollar price tag for this guy. Know, yeah, that's a lot. And and um, for his left tackle and for his wide receiver, yeah. I mean, you you put another fifty million dollars in there. I mean, like the Kirk Cousins apparatus in terms of quarterback guy, you need to protect quarterback guy, you want quarterback to throw to. <laughs> It's like 40% of your cap. And are you going to be able to lock up that star wide receiver before answering the quarterback question? Yeah. I mean, that's a, a huge question. We don't questions. know the answers and, to any of these yeah. things. Yeah. Well, the, they don't either. No, at the very least, true. I think with the we're 40, not that out to lunch, the, so they don't know either. At the very least, I think <laughs> the 49ers yeah. win probably shuts down trade deadline, yeah, sell so. off talk. They're, they're, look at the schedule. They've got enough that they're going to try to win. I mean, I have to shut it down completely. I still, I think, got pinged with a couple of news alerts of, hey, where could Daniel Hunter be landing next week, this morning? Um, so it doesn't shut it down completely, but yeah, I, I think it makes it a little less, a lot less likely. It makes it a little less sensible. Yeah. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys next time with the mailbag coming up. And then from Lambeau Field, where the Vikings will take on the Packers on Sunday. Until then, please check out all of our work at startribune.com. Startribune.com.